I'm pretty sure quantum physics says that at like the at the lowest level of atoms or particles or whatever it is that there's complete randomness. So it's entirely possible that if you like poked a wall for hours on end, eventually one day your finger could go through that wall and it could be a black hole and time could be erased. <laughs> Hello, Stellar Community. Welcome to episode five of the Stellar Community podcast. For those unfamiliar, Stellar is an open financial network built for speed and efficiency. With over four million accounts and a five second ledger close time, Stellar is the right choice for your financial service or application. Join us each week as we discuss the news, applications, and developers building the future of finance on Stellar. In today's Dev Digest, we'll be covering a shout-out that Stellar got in an important meeting, Horizon 1.0 Beta, which is live on Testnet, Stellar's new website, Stellar.org, is live, closing up with RealtyBits, a company issuing real estate on Stellar, along with some of the technology and implementations that make that company unique. So the Dev Digest is a weekly newsletter that goes out every Monday, and it covers basically everything going on within the Stellar ecosystem. Specifically in this episode, we'll be covering issue number 29 and issue number 30, and that'll be the date ranges from like January 27th to around February 7th. So the first piece of news is that Congressman Tom Emmer actually brought up Stellar during a meeting of the Task Force on Financial Technology which is a U.S. government effort to basically examine issues regarding fintech regulation and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, They're basically having a conversation about um, different crypto projects and how they would like to inspire entrepreneurs instead of uh, thwarting their efforts to, you know, push financial technology forward and at least know that we're kind of in the conversation at that level. I think we've, we've, as a company, made a lot of efforts in that direction, recognizing that regulation crypto regulation is really where this game is going to be won or lost so seeing our name popping up there is quite cool the next thing on the agenda here is horizon 1.0 beta is finally live on the testnet after lots and lots of work all over the ecosystem we finally have horizon 1.0 in beta i think there are probably still a few sdks which need updating so be sure and check out the show notes on which ones uh, you might be able to help out with. So one of the reasons we mention this here is it's on testnet, right? So you can jump onto laboratory or one of these SDKs that support uh, Horizon 1 beta and actually start poking around testing it. And then as you have issues or uh, requests or even just, yep, it works, you can you can throw those into either GitHub issues or on Keybase. Uh, essentially, the idea is we put this on testnet for the community to be able to give feedback and poke around and test it. So if you're able to do that or have an application that utilizes the horizon endpoints, uh, make sure to poke that around before we push this to production. The next big piece of news that actually happened relatively recently is that stellar.org got a completely new facelift. So it has all new colors, illustrations, 
resources. There's a new directory of projects that are built on Stellar. Uh, there's also a new page outlining the SDF mandate and a lot of other cool stuff. Like they spent a lot of time sort of revamping um, a lot of the illustrations, the icons and the layout itself. So please go have a look around. Uh, Tyler, do you have any have any favorite parts of the new website or stuff that you really like? Uh, the homepage is insane. I think it's so good. I think it communicates the vision, mission, and value of Stellar really quickly, um, but accurately. And it's maybe worth just a little bit of discussion. Why, why do you think it's important for a crypto project, primarily a software project, to have a landing page? Yeah, I think you just want to be able to quickly and efficiently communicate what you're building to a variety of different audiences. So in the past where maybe our website was really good at communicating, say, to developers, uh, we wanted to also be able to communicate to users, to businesses, uh, to people who are just browsing around. You also want to optimize the website for people who are not familiar with the space at all, right? So if they accidentally come across Stellar.org or they're looking for the next fintech project to build on, you want to make sure that they can Go to your website. It's easy on the eyes. It's quick to read. You can find all the information you want to find really quickly. The brand resonates with you. You know, the list goes on. There's a lot of stuff that you have to get across and you don't have very, very long to capture their attention. So you want to do that quickly and efficiently. I think the site does that really well right now, um, especially this newest version. It's not too obvious that um, it's a software company, but it's very obvious what Stellar is offering. And so I, I don't know. I think that's pretty exciting. It, it's really cool to look at all of the new stuff and you know, big ups to the uh, web products team here at SDF. I think like a, a big one is your SEO, um, the way that Google ranks things based off of, you know, mobile friendliness and good links and site maps. And then just in general, having your uh, content be very directed towards the purpose that your company is serving. Um, all of those things lend them lend itself to designing, building, maintaining a really good marketing presence. Um, and as engineers, it's pretty easy to let that fall to the wayside, which really all that means is it leaves an opening for whatever company doesn't let it fall to the wayside and really puts an emphasis and effort into good designs and user experience and the interfaces that once somebody finds the content, guides them along kind of like what you were saying um, and really sells whatever it is your software does so our, our featured highlight today that we want to talk about is this company realty bits which is building on top of stellar i actually don't know a whole lot about it um, but colton i as i understand you've done a little bit of research and find it quite exciting maybe maybe you can uh talk about that yeah, so I guess the, the quick tagline from their website is that Realty Bits is like the first blockchain-based marketplace that makes it possible to use digital currencies to buy and sell real estate assets anywhere in the world. Um, the extended version of that is that they are as actually issuing uh, one, they're issuing a stable coin called USDR that customers can deposit and redeem and then withdraw later um, in their platform. And then they're also issuing... Uh, property shares. So for example, say there's a home for sale for $100,000. Realty Bits will issue 100,000 tokens on Stellar, each of which represents like 0.0001% ownership in that property. 
And then you can use the USDR stablecoin to actually buy ownership um, of that property. So it makes you know payments in this process of buying realty really cheap and inexpensive relative you know to the traditional system. So backing up just a little bit, digitize real estate? Why in the world would I want digital property? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty interesting, this idea of like um, splitting up ownership via tokens. So ultimately, like this exists in the real world where multiple people might own a home or multiple people might own a office building or, or anything like that. And so basically the use case here is taking that ownership, issuing it as a token on Stellar, and then allowing people to go in and out of it, move that ownership around, buy and sell it relatively easily, all that good stuff. It avoids a lot of the overhead of having to like directly find clients yourself or like directly finding somebody to buy your ownership yourself or doing all this like weird, tedious, um, traditional, you know, financial task. Whereas it's all on the RealtyBits platform, tokens can get transferred from person to person to represent ownership. And then, you know, possibly, I don't know if RealtyBits actually does this themselves, but then you can reap the rewards of that ownership, right? Whether that's through um, splitting the rent payment or when the full building is actually sold, you might get a part of the profits, whatever the case may be. So Colton, I have to ask, how much property do you own now? Zero dollars and zero cents. Okay. Well, I expect that number to go up. But I've talked about this before a little bit. Just the concept of digitizing or tokenizing something that people tend to buy or, or split up, but it can be a little bit more challenging. Um, uh, one example I like to use is um, musicians. So if you could buy percentage shares of a musician and then based on how many of those tokens you had, you would earn the profits whenever they succeeded, if they succeeded. Or it's just the idea of um, tokenized shares of something that, I, that entitle you to some percentage share of their success. And that could go for, like I said, musicians or athletes, or um, you take that concept into antique cars or art, or in this case, um, real estate. It's quite interesting, and I think we're only beginning maybe to start to scratch the surface of what that looks like, particularly as we move from traditional use case or traditional implementation to what this could look like on a digital platform. So typically when these services go digital, they they just replicate whatever already exists. And then it takes a few years before maybe you start to recognize, whoa, okay, there are actually better ways we can do this because it's digital, or there's another way we can achieve the desired outcome without just replicating what already exists, but actually improving upon it because it's digital. So that's something that's exciting to me, even if maybe I don't out go out and buy digital real estate. The idea or the concepts behind digitizing something either non-tangible or traditionally not digital um, seeing that move to Stellar move into a uh, blockchain atmosphere is, is quite incredible. Um, so just kind of riffing off that a little bit, do you want to talk, maybe we can cover some, like some of those aspects of what RealtyBits is doing and the different implementations or use cases, the different implementations and functionalities they're making use of within the Stellar ecosystem. 
Sure. So the first use case seems to be just simple asset issuance, right? But they take it a little bit further because obviously when you're dealing with real estate, there is some level of regulatory overhead that has to be accounted for. And fortunately, um, Stellar Asset Issuance makes that really easy. So all RealtyBits tokens are auth-required and auth-revocable. And essentially what that means is that there are flags on the assets that only allows approved addresses to hold them. So that means Realty Bits can do the KYC, AML, or whatever else they need to do on their customers and then issue the token. And then they know that that token can't be transferred to another address that isn't approved. So that's, a, that's one cool aspect of it. Can you just talk a little bit about those different flags, auth required? Cover it just a little bit more what that means and then and then actually outline what KYC is. Totally. So auth required means that the issuer of the asset has to give somebody authorization to own the asset in the first place. So for example, if you were issuing a token and you had to know who who was owning it, you would say, okay, I need to approve this person before they can actually own this asset. So that's auth required. Auth revocable means that ownership of that asset can be revoked, right? That it's pretty straightforward. So if somebody's trying to do something criminal or do something that is against the, I don't know, the policy of, of their agreement with the company, uh, they can just simply revoke access to that asset and they won't be able, the, the person who owns that asset won't be able to do anything with it. Right. It's interesting. Like it's worth noting, we're just real quick on auth revocable. You don't actually lose your tokens. You just lose the ability to use them. So uh, in the case of like fraud or, you know, like, Hey, I need to lock my account. Somebody gained unauthorized access. I need to lock my account real quick. That's another good example of, okay, we'll lock your account real quick until we sort out what the issue is. You update your password or whatever, and then we can remove that flag. Um, so it doesn't like, it's not the risk of like the company can at any point, any moment, just take away all of your tokens. They can just shut your account down to where you're no longer allowed to move that asset anywhere. But as soon as that flag's removed, you're back to being able to access and use your asset. Yep. And the last thing is KYC, which stands for know your customer. And I'm not 100% familiar with all of the laws around this. And I know that they vary from country to country, even sometimes from state to state. So the basics are that in order for a company to follow regulatory compliance in their state or their country or whatever it is, Oftentimes they have to know who their customers are. And this is to prevent things like money laundering or to prevent, you know, criminals or people maybe even with a criminal history or something like this from accessing your product. And it also allows you to pursue legal action in the event that maybe they do some sketchy things with your product, right? So say you like own part of the house or own this like stable coin or something, and they're doing things that are very sketchy. At least you know who they are so that uh, proper recourse can be taken. Otherwise, you have people like running rampant and you don't know who they are and they're doing crazy things and there's nothing you can do about it. And as a company, uh, that's not ideal. So that's the basics of KYC. So a lot you'll see a lot of um, like, especially US-based companies or companies that are sort of merging um, this sort of new FinTech model with the traditional FinTech model, uh, try to implement things like KYC or anti-money laundering you know, regulations or whatever else. You also mentioned AML, which I actually don't know what it stands for. I know what AOL is, but I'm guessing this is different. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> AML is just anti-money laundering. Um, I know that's the short end for it. I don't know all of the laws and stuff again around it, but... Don't put money in your laundry. 
because you will probably go to jail, apparently. <laughs> another another good uh, you, uh, reason for uh, KYC is to um, block bots. So just programmatic signups to your service rather than making sure that or ensuring that every signup is a person. So it does add friction, but that friction is important. And there are lots of tools that assist with um, KYCs. And different KYCs, like there are different fields that are required depending on the level of complexity of your application. So banking services are going to have more KYC fields than a social media that just wants to pass tokens around or you know in-game currency or something like that. So KYC can be a pretty broad. It sounds scary, but essentially it's it's the process of ensuring your it's it's the process of knowing who your customers are, that they are people or they are bots, and allows you to from that information filter or block or take action. When you start to move into real world use cases, which is what we're trying to do with Stellar, you have to have KYC stuff. It's just a matter of how intrusive do those pieces need to be and what purpose do they serve. So respecting privacy where it's warranted, but understanding that there has to be some level of knowledge. Otherwise, all of these things just get shut down and don't survive in the real world. And they shouldn't. Like There are certain illegal, there's a reason we have laws. There's a reason there is regulation. It's because illegal bad things happen and the only way to stop it is to have some level of action or friction that um, keeps those types of things from happening. Lastly, for those of you in San Francisco, I will be hosting a How to Build a Wallet workshop next week at the Cloudflare offices. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, would love to see you there. There's only a couple spots left. But if you're around and are building on Stellar, uh, it will be a, it'll be a helpful workshop for you. Other than that, thanks for listening. It's been a blast. We'll catch you next week. For more information about Stellar and the future of decentralized finance, visit Stellar.org. And get involved in the discussion in one of our active communities on Keybase at Stellar.public or Stellar Stack Exchange. Until next time, I'm your host, Tyler Vanderhoeven. We'll catch y'all later.